There's no denying that the world is hurting right now. We need transformation more than ever. The desire to change is there, but taking that first step is a different story. That's why I created Genius. Genius guides you in every aspect of your life. Through curated workshops and guided meditations, Genius helps you discover your purpose, grow in self-love, and uncover your new hope. Workshops and meditations are centered around the five areas of well-being, personal, relationships, health, spirituality, and work and finance. Together, we're creating an environment for transformation through coaching, consistency, and community. Within the first 90 days of Genius, members report feeling 40% less lonely, 75% more motivated, and 40% happier, and even sleeping 50% better at night. Plus, we have a special offer on for a limited time only. Try Genius for just $15, a one-month trial for only 50 cents a day. Gain access to the workshops, the meditations, and the global community of over 10,000 members. There's also the Genius Cancel Anytime Guarantee. Cancel within the first 30 days and receive a full refund. If every heart and mind on the planet was able to experience the pure love of Genius, I think the world we live in would be a very different place. Choosing Genius is choosing wellness, love, and growth. Join Genius today. Go to jshettygenius.com. That's jshettygenius.com. Looking back on it, I knew when I, when I looked at the page and saw the name Sam Seaborn, I had, now, now knowing what I know, I know I had, it's that tingling, it's that feeling, it's that fantasy, whatever you want to call it, what it actually is, is a, is a vision, a voice, whatever you want to call it. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every single one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. Now, you know that I love sitting down and diving into the minds of fascinating people, people who have incredible stories and backgrounds, so that we can learn from their experiences, their reflection, and their insights. And today, I feel super grateful and honored because we have none other than Rob Lowe. Now, Rob Lowe's iconic career spans four decades in film, television, and theater. He's also an acclaimed author. Rob has been nominated for two Emmys, six Golden Globes, and four Screen Actors Guild Awards, in which he won two. He starred in the 80s classics. There's so many to name. And Rob's career also includes so many fantastic books as well. His two memoirs, stories I only tell my friends, and I've got some excerpts I want to share with Rob that I absolutely love, and Love Life, are both New York Times bestsellers. He's taken his first memoir and made it into a touring show called Stories I Only Tell My Friends Live, which has received rave reviews throughout the country and sold out in London, my hometown. Now, Rob is hosting and producing Fox's Mental Samurai, also recently starred in and produced Fox's highly anticipated 911 Lone Star. And today I'm excited to talk to Rob about his career and his new podcast, Literally. Uh, welcome to the show, Rob Lowe. Rob, thank you for doing this. Thank you. I'm, I'm exhausted just from listening to all the things that I've done. I think well, I need a nap. Good night. <laughs> yeah. It's about time you take a break, Rob, I think. But you just started a new podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time, but also just it's so wonderful that we share so many mutual friends. And I'm excited to connect with you today. You've lived an incredible life. And I think that so much is to be learned and gained from your experiences 
And I'm grateful that you're going to share them openly with our audience today. You're very, you're very kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, I want to start off on, on some different tangents. I try and do this with, with people who have such well-known careers as well. And yeah, sure. I heard that since you were a little boy, you loved spooky legends and yes. uh, scary mysteries and mysterious creatures. And I'm curious to know what's one of your favorite legends and why? <laughs> okay. We're, we're, we're going to go down the wormhole right off the bat. Um, I, I, I remember my, one of my earliest, not earliest memories, but I can remember being like eight and nine years old and writing files of Bigfoot sightings <laughs> and keeping like a little file cabinet. I don't know, I don't know what I thought I was, like some, some Indiana Jones of the supernatural. And, but um, I still love all that. I, I'm, I, I'm obsessed with Bigfoot and, you know, aliens and all. I just, I love it. And I've, and I've over the years realized why I love it is because it, it truly is the unknowable and, and, and I love um, oral traditions that have been passed down from, from ancestors to current day. And there are certain things in the oral tradition world that show up again and again and again and again and again, however incredible they may seem. And, mm -hmm. and I love to try to get to the bottom of why that is. So that, that interest sort of, um, you know, I, I still have it today. Area 51, uh, every time I go to Vegas, I, I watch the specially marked planes take off and go there. I've never been there, but I have been to the, they say that that, that is like the, uh, the false flag version. Like that's the one that they want to draw everybody's attention to, but where the really good stuff happens is um, in, uh, in Utah. And I can't remember the name of it, but I did an episode of The Low Files where I went there with my, my boys. Basically, The Low Files is a, is a show you can still get on, I think, iTunes, and it's really an excuse for me to just hang out with my boys in a, in a souped-up Scooby-Doo pickup truck and, and cruise around looking for stupid stuff like that. And we actually <laughs> went to the what was supposedly the real Area 51. Didn't see one thing. Not one thing. <laughs> well, then it's super secret. Tell me about that, actually, because you speak a lot about, you know, fatherhood and spending time with your boys. What, what's been, like... The latest adventure you've been able to go on with them that you think's been meaningful? Oh, for sure. The latest adventure is becoming an empty nester, mourning, literally mourning that loss, and then cycling through the amazing satisfaction of them on their own lives. Then, them being right back in the house with COVID. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we are like spending more time together now than we did when they were in high school. Because mm. we right in the last four months, we've spent more time than we ever did. Because in the middle of the day, they would always go to school. Obviously, when they were ba kids and babies. So, um, living with your grown kids is a real. Um, learning experience and it's great but you realize you know 20 mid 20 something men were not built to live with mommy mm. and uh, or daddy I don't mean that in a sexist way they're you know they're meant to be out conquering the world and 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 doing their thing and I, I bet you it's very very challenging for them and they've been champs they've been just champs and I'll take every minute I get <laughs> so it's good good for me i love that yeah no i'm sure a lot of parents will be happy hearing 
the challenge and how difficult it is because it's it's been so common for so many people, especially with yeah. children that are older and you know children that are expect to be out there and about and and all of that. But let's go back to yours, your childhood or your your earlier days of what people may not be aware of of your story or my audience may not be. And you know, I, I want to hear about why you didn't go to UCLA because you have such an interesting story, and and I think it's a fascinating one. So I'd love for my community to hear it. Well, so I, I always wanted to be an actor. Um, I was blessed with uh, what I've now come to realize was an actual vision mm-hmm. of uh, my future at eight years old and started in like community theater and local school productions and, you know, like a, just a young acting nerd. And then through life circumstances, my family split up. My mom moved us west. We eventually ended up in California, uh, having nothing to do with me or my, my aspirations. And I started a little career and I had jobs here and there and got to be a teenager. And then it all dried up and it was over. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe this isn't my destiny. And what do I do now? And I'd had this bout of early success at 15, 16. And so it was kind of, I had to reconcile with, was I not good enough? Um, there were people telling me it was purely an age thing. Um, in fact, not to bore you, but it's a significant part of the story. Um, when you make movies and TV, when actors get to be 16, 17, 18 years old, they don't get hired. They hire 18-year-olds to play those ages because of the labor laws. Right. 18-year-olds, 18-year-olds can work all day. Uh, the, the other ages cannot. So there was a chance, a chance that it was the labor laws. <laughs> Um, so it was the label um, definitely wrong. It was it was the label laws. We love you, really. Yeah. We'd love to hire you, but it's it's the labor laws, kid. <laughs> um, so I decided, you know, my other passion was the law, like my father, and incidentally, like my oldest son, now a lawyer, and, and marine biology. Mm. And so I was studying marine biology and loving it, and I was gonna be a marine biologist. And I, there was one casting director, I was still audition, wasn't getting anything, and there was one casting director who was very supportive and just said, just give it to your 18, just, just give it to your, and I was like, great. So I applied to, to uh, USC and UCLA to their film schools um, and got accepted, and on the day where I had to like officially apply, I got the job as Fran- in Francis Ford Coppola as the outsider on my 18th birthday. And the rest was, was sort of what I did. That was the path. What I love about that is the, you know, the timing of you at 15, 16, having to start questioning yourself and, and dealing with failure and dealing with rejection. That's a very early age to face it after having had some success too. And then for it to all turn around in two years and and begin a new journey again. Do you think that 
do you, and, and as a father too, do you think that we expose children to failure too young or too late? And what are the kind of benefits that you gained from having to go through that at that age? That's such a great question. And, and I'm, I'm so passionate about these kinds of talks because I, I, like I said, I loved raising my, my boys and continue to, to. And I actually think we expose them too late to failure in our iteration of parenting. You know, I, I'm, I'm from a very different generation. You know, I was raised in the, the late 60s and into the crazy 70s. You know, now we, everybody wants to reverse engineer everything for success for our kids. And, and I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Um, but my parents, you know, literally threw me to the wolves. Like mm. they were like, I don't know, go do it, whatever. Come home at, when, when the sun sets. Yeah. You know, and, and so you're, you're, you have to navigate your way very much more than we do today. And for me, you know, um, you know, when I would have to get on, the, go after school, get on the public, the bus, and take it for 22 miles, get off, wait for another bus, take that bus into downtown L.A., get off that bus, take another bus to Hollywood, check myself into the meeting, sit in the waiting room, go in, have the meeting, audition in front of somebody, be judged, turn around, take all those buses back, doing my homework, have dinner and go to sleep and wake up and go to school at 12 and 13. My wife wouldn't let my kids get on a bus at all. True. At 12. Yes. So it's just a really different mindset, and, and I'm, I'm really grateful that, that I was able to have that, that sort of crazy freedom that we would never let our kids do today. It's, it's so hard, I guess. I'm not a parent yet, and that's partly why I'm asking it, because I feel like when you're not a parent, it's really easy to say, like, oh, yeah, I want to give my kids the freedom, and I want to have, you know, you can have all these principles. And then when I'm speaking to a, a real parent, and, and I hear that, and, and, then I, and then you start to empathize with the fact that, oh, no, we get so much into, like, control and protecting and defending and, and wanting to kind of, you know, I remember I had, I had some friends back in London who, I think their daughter was, like, two years old, and, and she would, like, be running around in the corner, and she'd be playing with, like, candles and, like, putting a hand over candles and, like, you know, burning. like a, and, and I'd always be like, do you want me to go grab your kid? And they'd be like, no, just, just leave her, like, let her, you know. And I was like, what, are you sure? And, and they just had, and I'm not recommending that as a strategy to any parents. I'm just saying they had that freedom that they were trying to train their kid. What do you think it was for you that pushed you forward to keep going on? A, to look into law, but what gave right. you the mental resilience to go back to that audition at 18, to go back into that world? What I do, every part of what I do, books, TV, public speaking, touring, all of it, the dirty little secret is that I would do it for free. Mm. do not take me up on that <laughs> i like money <laughs> but um so i think if you have that if you're lucky enough if you're lucky enough to have that in your life you there's there's never even a, a question of what you're going to do yeah. never there's ne there's never a question for me of what i was going to do the only time that question arose is when doing what i wanted to do i was stymied Mm. And that happens all the time, by the way. It still happens. Mm. 
I, just so everyone knows, if I ask questions quickly, it's because I'm paying Rob by the minute for this podcast. So yes, case, case. and I demand pay. I demand uh, Bitcoin. Thank you very much. <laughs> Wait, how do you find it though? Like, as someone who's so certain, hey, what's happening with my hair? Can you're just talk. Yeah, something's going great. on with the hair, and I'm not. It's COVID hair. Wait, okay. I was actually. All right, admiring, now we can continue. I was actually I mean, I, admiring your hair. I was going to ask you who your uh, uh, barber or hairdresser was because <laughs> that's that's good hair, right? I need, I need some tips. I like it. So, uh, but but as someone who's so sure about what they wanted to do from such an early age, you know, so much surety has gone and achieved it and beyond, and you know, probably gone beyond what you imagined too, and just what you've created. Do you find that today, especially with your children as well, you said your eldest is a lawyer, there, today I find like so many people are struggling with finding what they want to do. There's a lot of challenge of purpose. There's a lack oh. of understanding where to put my attention and energy and like, Rob, where do I start? And I get this question a lot from my community and that's why I'm bringing it up to you is because I feel like, especially for a lot of young people growing up right now, A, there's so many options, yeah. B, there's so much comparison because you can see how many followers everyone has and how many dances everyone does on TikTok and all the rest of it. <laughs> and, and it's overwhelming. And, and people go, you know, where do I start? How different is that from the 80s and, and 90s or 2000s? How different was it at your time? Or actually, were you like, Jay, you know, I was comparing myself too. Like, I was feeling the same way. Uh, well, it, first of all, it, in terms of the culture and in terms of the sort of prism through which adolescents, young people judge themselves against their peers is incomparably different mm. than, than what we had. And yet the core stuff is exactly the same. Mm. And, um, you know, I picked a business where it's 100% predicated on a judgment criteria that you will never fully understand. Mm. So it, it's one thing to go into a job as an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, a realtor, you, a dentist, whatever the hell it is, and you go in and you don't get the job, you know it's, there's a tangible reason. Mm. When an actor or a creative person goes in, there's, first of all, they're gonna lie to you all the time. And, and, it, it, what you realize is, having been now on the other side of it, of casting and producing and making content, you realize it's never personal. Never. Ever. It's always, well, we have too many blondes. We need a brunette. Literally. And you think, oh, I wasn't good. I didn't get the scene right. It's like, it's much less about you than you think it is. Always. And on the other side of it, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I, uh, I've been sober, drugs and alcohol for 30 years now, right? So amazing. Thank you. So um, on that journey, uh, I've learned a lot. And, and one of the things I learned, there are a lot of truisms, a lot of buzzwords in recovery. I love them. A lot of people think, particularly when people come to it and you go, all oh, these hacky old sayings. <laughs> Meanwhile, I love them. And, uh, the one that I love most is never compare your insides to mm -hmm. someone else's outsides. I love that. And that helps me a lot. I don't do that anymore. 
actually. I really, truly, it's, it's baked into my DNA now, so I'm, I'm pretty good with it. But, you know, coming up, you know, you look over at Tom Cruise and, or to this day, you know, my, my boy Tommy kills it, you know, and, and there, are, there are other people like that. And, you know, but, but I don't know what that life is like behind closed doors. Well, actually, I do, a lot of them. And I'll take mine. And, that, and that's super powerful what you're sharing. And, and hearing you say it just has so much, so much gravitas hearing you say it because it's not just an ism. You know, like when I hear you say it, it just, I can feel it because it's so real. And like you said, A, the first part, by the way, I want to go back to what you said. Now looking at it as a producer, as a creator, as a director, realizing that that failure is less about you than you think it is. That's a huge that is a huge point to be making. Like if everyone had that experience first, maybe they'd realize how little it was to do with them. And the second point that you just made that when you dive into people's uh, real lives and that statement that you said that don't judge your inside by someone else's outsides, I think that is such a great way to live, but it takes so much time to actually build that as a muscle that works. Yes. Because it's so easy to, to lose away. Yeah. It, and that's funny, any kind of growth that I've ever had and, and, and I've, you know, got a long way to go is, is exactly that. It's, it's, it's muscle memory. It's like my golf swing. Mm. It's like, it really is like the golf swing because it's like all these fine muscles, these tiny little fine muscles that you can't work out, can't train them really, but it's repetition, 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 trust. Trust your swing. Just trust your swing. <laughs> you know, it's all of those things it is, is what it's like for me for, for sort of spiritual growth and, and for, for learning. And with enough reps, with enough swings, it, it's muscle memory. It's grooved into you. Mm. And, and you know, you don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about comparing myself to, to, to other people today because I've spent so many moments telling myself that mm. and reminding myself of that that um it's grooved it's grooved into my golf swing yeah i love that i can't i can't wait to feel that way that sounds amazing and uh everyone you heard it here you know just got to keep swinging and tell us that rob like tell us you you mentioned there like you apply the same as your golf thing to your spiritual growth where where did your what is your spiritual journey and where did that stem from like tell us a bit about that because i'm not even sure i know so much about that from my reading and research and, and observing, but what's that been like for you? Well, you can only imagine that when you go on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, they're not so interested in hearing <laughs> about my spiritual growth. No, that's so, why this show exists. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. Next on Ryan Seacrest, Rob Lowe and his spiritual growth. <laughs> his spiritual not growth, happening. His spiritual growth formula. In this, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, I think we're, we're all here to figure out why we're here. And, and those of us that it's a long tradition um, that, that follow that curiosity um, are on the spiritual path, whether they like it or not. And I don't think of myself as what I think of spiritual as. Like, you're, you're spiritual. You were a monk. You're spiritual. I'm an actor. I'm just a guy. I'm just a dad. I'm just a dad. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, 
and yet, right, but, but I am seeking and curious and reading and praying. Mm-hmm. And prayer's been an interesting thing for me because um, my family were Methodists. Uh, the only time I ever went to church was with um, my grandpa. And because that was the generation that did it, that's what everybody did. And he played golf and he went to church and he went to Rotary and ran a business and voted for Nixon. And that's who he was. He was that guy. Right. Um, And then, so then my parents were like fondue, eaten, open toed, Birkenstock, like teachers and lawyers and listening to the fifth dimension and the age of Aquarius and letting me run amok. And, you know, doing the I Ching and reading Jung, right? So that was like what I got. And so I found myself somewhere in the middle of all that. Mm -hmm. And again, with with sobriety, a big component of that is, you know, a power greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. And people who have an issue with organized religion or the word God, or any of that stuff can make, make the power greater than themselves nature, or mm-hmm. love, or whatever, and it, and it works the same. And that's how I started out. I was very uncomfortable with the notion of God, um, or any of it. It was very hard to even say the word for me. Mm-hmm. And really uncomfortable is praying, really. Like, well, dip, wouldn't, wouldn't, couldn't do it, frankly. And they, I was told to fake it till you make it. I'm an actor. I can fake anything. So I would, I would literally get on, and it was really hard to get on my knees, by the way. And I am a firm believer now in getting on my knees because I, it's, it's a, um, it, it's, it's a humbling, right? You're humbling yourself to something greater than, how do you know that it's, how do you show that it's greater than you? better than humbling. Mm. Um, so like I'm only getting on my knees, by the way, for something that's greater than me, FYI. And so once I got comfortable doing that and it was a joke, I would feel like an idiot. I would feel like a fool. I've more than anything. I felt like a fraud Mm. and muscle memory swinging the golf club, Golf swing, uh, it, it started to feel natural. And now it's, it's a, and it's, this is, and this has really only been within the past five years. Yeah. And, and now it's really a big, a big part of my life. And, and I feel um, connected <clears throat> to something bigger than myself. And things that used to baffle me, things where I would react one way or, get that anxiety or that, that, that email that, Ooh, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to open that. Right now. I just, it's like something comes over me Mm. and, and the next thing you know, like I'm out of my own body, I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I'm answering the email. I'm saying something, but I'm not even saying it. It's, I don't know where it's coming. And it's, and it works out so much better. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, actually. I, re- I really appreciate that. And the theme that you were speaking about, humility. I've been sharing this story lately that I, that I read, which, which fascinates me. I, I can never check whether it's true or not, but it's, it's a story of Benjamin Franklin. And supposedly, 
it said that he had a journal that he used to carry around with him. And in this journal, he had 13 precepts, which were like 13 qualities that he was aspiring for in his life. So it had things like simplicity, tranquility, integrity, like he had a list. And, and he said that he often failed on the list too. Like he would like eat too much or spend too much money or whatever it was. And then supposedly in his last days, he was, he was asked which of the 13 did he not accomplish in his life? And as the story goes, he said it was the 13th one, which happened to be humility. And, and he said that that was the one that he did not achieve. And of course, ironically, if he said he would have achieved it, then he wouldn't be humble. But that's right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's that's a great a, one. Yeah. It's such a beautiful reminder of this, that humility is so often not talked about, or if it is, it's seen as a weakness. Like you're saying, like, why would I ever get down on my knees? Why would I ever pray? Why would, why would I ever see? And, and I think there is such a, a stigma with humility as a weakness or as a oh. than or inferiority. But actually, as you're saying, it's the most liberating because you get whatever power you believe in to work through you and, and allow yourself to be far more, less dependent on your own fallibility. Yeah, the, the, you're, you're counterintuitively, your strength is in direct proportion to your humility. Wow, I love that. Yeah, I love and, that. And, we, and we, are, we live in a time where bragging, swagging <clears throat> is a sign of power, prestige, and, um, and I mean, if you turn on the radio, you're not hearing one song about humility. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. That's such a good example. Give us, you're, the perfect, you're a perfect person to talk about this, actually. So, you know, you're you know, hugely attractive, heartthrob, that like everyone's into you. Like, you've been super confident your whole life, extremely charming, you know, uh, great communicator, everything like that. What, how do you now, especially with us evolving this conversation, how does someone practice humility and confidence? Because I think that we usually run to either extreme and, and like yeah. you, said, you found yourself in the middle of these two ideologies. I'm always like, yeah, we need to find ourselves in the middle because too much hum like humility in the negative sense turns into low self-esteem. Yeah. And, and confidence yes. in the extreme sense turns into ego and arrogance. So how do you find yourself being like, I'm Rob Lowe, I'm confident about who I am, but I also understand humility. And by the way, from the moment you, and, and this is what I find so endearing, and this is definitely from my monk training, it's like we were almost trained to believe that the most endearing, amazing quality in a human was humility. And from the beginning of this interview, from the moment I saw your face, you have demonstrated nothing but that. But I, also feel confident, but I also feel confidence from you in a good way. And so I want to understand. And, and therefore, as soon as we started talking, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I love this person already. Uh, tell, me, tell me about that, how you've learned to do that in your own life, because you've experienced, you know, such heights. Well, you're, first of all, you're very kind. And you're just catching me at a good moment. Believe me, <laughs> I, I'm, nobody, nobody bats a thousand. In the, in the major league, as you know, in baseball, if you hit 300, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, so I always, in all seriousness, I, I do like to remember that part of it. Yes, um, yes. good, good point. You know, right? But yeah. so I, I had a friend who did a lot of work with men, men's groups and 
men's issues and stuff. And he used to say, it was such a great thing, that you should look at your personality, psyche, whatever you want to call it, as a pie divided into three archetypes that you should equally be. Mm. And the archetypes are Curly from the Three Stooges, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, and Gandhi. Oh, okay. This is, this is intriguing. I've never heard this before. So, which speaks to what you're saying is, is you know, all Gandhi is not good. Mm. People will run roughshod over you. All Clint Eastwood is no good. You have a lack empathy and connection and love. And, you know, all curly isn't good. You're just the fun fool having fun and you're floating through life. But the three of them together, yeah, that's a person. I love that. What great advice. What a great way to put it. I absolutely love that. And what I love the most about it is that <clears throat> life is so much more full when lived that way. And, and, it's, and, and I think people forget that. I, I was saying this to someone the other day because uh, we, I was talking about monks and having lived as a monk. And by the way, when you said that, like, you're an actor and I'm a monk, I feel the same way about being a monk. Like, I was just some kid from London. Like, I'm just some average kid from London who was chasing everything that everyone else wanted as well. And I got mm -hmm. really fortunate that I met some amazing people when I was really young. And, and yeah. that's literally it. Like, I'm that guy too. Like, I'm just this guy from London who had a very normal life and, and just was very fortunate to meet some really empowered people at, at age 18 that changed the trajectory of my life. But, but when I look at it, it's like, the funny thing is that monks are also hilarious. They're childlike. They're so... They're so different to what people perceive because we only see what you like, what you're saying. With Clint Eastwood, you only see one version. You only see, right. even with Rob Lowe, you only see one version because the world only allows that person to display one version of themselves. Right. But yeah. actually a full person is, is so much more embracing paradoxes and polarities and like you can be assertive and affectionate and you can be kind and courageous and you can be... I love that. That is such a great, who is this friend? That's a great, great example. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. His, his name is Justin Sterling and he okay. did, uh, he's had a career helping men and uh, I found him to be amazing. You might, you should do a deep dive on him. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've never heard it explained that well. I've heard the same principle and point, but that is the best I've ever heard it being explained. Well, what, what also is great about it is, um, you can, so not, not to get into judgments of other people, but we all have friends who, who, go, who seem stuck in their lives or whatever it is. And you can go, oh, they don't have any curly in them. <laughs> like, it's really easy to diagnose. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. It's easy to diagnose everyone else's problems. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, and, and yourself, too. Like, when you're, like, in your life, like, I realize all of a sudden, you know what? <clears throat> I, I've, I've, been all, I've been all curly I need a little, I need to ramp up the, the Clint Eastwood. I need to take care of some business <laughs> or, or, or whatever. I need to be Gandhi. Yeah. yeah. Or I need to be Gandhi, which is usually, for me, that's usually what it is. I mean, we're sort of in Gandhi land here today, you and I. So <laughs> I'm, definitely, I'm definitely letting, letting my Gandhi out. But I think if you ask my, my family, it's like there's, there's a lot of Clint. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's why, like, just as that example of taking it a step further, like, just as we have all of those inside of us, we also need people around us who bring out those parts of us for us to realize we have them. 100%. Yeah, and because, what, on, which yeah. is why it's, it, no, just, it's why it's really important to the extent that we can to have a diversity of experience around us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, and this is not the going, this is not the world's greatest, smoothest segue right now, <laughs> my podcast, but it is why I started a podcast because of the sort of diversity of, of thought of the people that are in my life. And, you know, you have your golf buddies, you have your show business buddies, you have your high finance buddies, you have your spiritual gurus, um, recovery-based people. And within that clique, a lot of them don't resonate with each other. Yeah. But I resonate with all of them because I'm interested in that. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about Let's talk about that. I didn't realize (laughs) this this conversation has moved so fast. I didn't realize we've been talking for like 40 minutes. No, it's great. Are you okay? It feels like five. It's, I, I know. Like, I'm having what? such a like, good I time. Literally, yeah, I just literally looked at the time. I'm like, yeah, we started at 11. That's crazy. Uh, tell, t- tell me about a guest. And you were, you were mentioning it before when we first came on and you were talking about it. Tell me about a guest that has come on that you either learned a new story from because you're interviewing people that you know and people that yeah. you're friends with. Like, tell us about someone who shared a story that you didn't know or, or a story that they reminded you of. And you're like, oh, how did I forget that? Like a good memory. Tell us about one of those. Well, well, I, I, um, I had Tiffany Haddish on my show. We talk a ton about what, how the pain her community is in mm. and, and how that is, affects all of us. And it was, it, it was so raw and moving and insightful. And, you know, I've had so many years of, of therapy that I, I, I just did the therapeutic lesson 101, which is shut up and listen. And um, it, it, it's, it's great because the podcast is, is number one, always really funny. Like my podcast is funny. I'm not, it's light, it's funny, it's, it's escapism, it's entertainment. And just when, you, just when you least expect it, you might learn something. <laughs> um, so that's sort of the brand of it. And yeah. then to do something with Tiffany where it got so real so fast and to to have a guest whose life experience could not be farther from mine and then to find our common experience where you end up going i'm just like her she's just like me when we're nothing like each other that's i think really the, the the gift of 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 getting to talk to people who you truly truly don't know i mean talking to people that you know really well is also great. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow will be coming up. I've known Gwyneth since she was uh, 18 years, 17 years old and wondering if she should be an actor or not. She was literally going through what I was going through. And it's exactly the same thing. She's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know. Here's your Oscar. (laughs) So um, that's a really different conversation and really fun. And no one's going to talk to Gwyneth the way I do. So yeah. it's pretty, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you're doing that. I think, you know, you've had like what Chris Pratt, Magic Johnson, uh, Conan O'Brien, what a, what a great list of guests, but more importantly, and, and I think I said this to the beginning, it's you're getting to have a conversation with them that no one else can have with them. 
And, and I think that 100%. there's something really powerful about that. And so I hope that a lot of people will go and listen to literally because it's, yeah, for me, it's if you're fascinated by people's journeys, but also, like you said, in, in a fun, lighthearted way, and you might learn something. I think people will learn something. I think people will learn a lot more from you than, than you even know, because I, I think just listening to people's experiences in a place where they don't feel they have to filter or they don't feel like they have to construct an identity or they don't have to make sure they mention something like you're just giving them freedom to be themselves. And I think we always learn something when people get to be authentically themselves. Well, you know, you, you go through life and at some point, you're, you're, like I said, you're wondering about why you're here. And part of that question is, what do I have to offer? Like what's special about me? And there are a lot of actors. I mean, I've played parts that a hundred other actors can play. Every once in a while, I'll play a part that only I can play. I've had that. And then I know what they are. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the West Wing. That's, you know, uh, behind the candelabra. Yes. I mean, there, every once in a while, there's something that I know only I can do. But the truth of it is, you know, a lot of other guys could, and vice versa. You go, really? Okay, then what is, what is my special sauce? Mm. And everybody has a special sauce. Everybody. Everybody. And I think the real issue is most people don't know that. Mm. And then the hard thing is finding out what it is. And that sometimes is not easy. And what I, I have a friend, another friend, who used to say something great, which is, you know, in life, particularly in work, don't, don't just do what you can do. Do what only you can do. Mm -hmm. And what I've realized for me is my thing is I'm a communicator and a storyteller. And th that is at the basis of the acting but it gets much more brought to the surface in as my work as a, as a memoirist mm. and one man show. And now the podcast, those are the things only I can do. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't mean only I can do, I don't mean it in that way, but I mean like, yeah, I get it. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and, and I try to, I try to talk to my sons about that too. You know, it's like, what's, what's your special sauce? Yeah. And, it's it it can be a lot by the way for some people it's a lifetime journey to find out and that's okay too yeah that's totally but, okay too no and i i think that's a, a beautiful way of looking at it and it's it's kind of how i i approach this podcast too where i want to ask you questions that only i would ask yes because there's so many questions i can ask you like we could talk about your whole career for right, right. multiple podcasts right, and and right. it's fascinating i am fascinated by your career but I also know that those are things that I may be able to learn from listening to your conversations with other people. Yes. You're, you're reminding me of, you're reaffirming my confidence in myself of wanting to ask questions that only I can ask. A, a really yes. good example of that is when we had, um, you know, when we had Kobe Bryant on the podcast, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was months before everything happened, but, I remember not talking to him about basketball because I like basketball, but I love soccer. I'm from England. Like, you know, football, soccer is my sport. Right. So I like basketball, but I can't talk to Kobe Bryant about basketball in the same way someone else can. But my passion with Kobe was about storytelling because he had his studio and he was building all this incredible kids books and books to educate kids through sports and documentaries. Yep. 
and it, for me, it's like, that is the conversation. And, and now when I look back on that, what I loved is that he was so happy and peaceful in his retirement because mm-hmm. he had found his, his purpose that only he could do. Yes. Uh, like what you're saying. And I think that is such a powerful point that you've made because I think it's so easy to start thinking like, oh, well, maybe I should talk to Rob about this. Or maybe I have to ask questions about this. Or maybe I have to become an expert in basketball because I'm talking to this legend. No. And, and now I've got to become an expert in drama and acting because I'm talking to an icon. Sure. Rob, and, and you just lose yourself in that, right? 100%. And, and it's good because we're, we're both uh, supporting each other in our interviewing <laughs> techniques. Cause, cause I will get, I, I will get on with someone and, you know, not be as familiar as I should be or whatever. And I feel like, Oh, I'm shirking my responsibility. I'm yeah. being lazy. I'm not doing my homework. No, 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 that's not, everybody can do homework. Everybody can read the bullet points. Everybody can watch their last Netflix special and, <laughs> you know, get all this. Everybody can do that. What only I can do, yeah. only you can do, or ask the questions that only we would ask. Yes, exactly. And, and, and you always want time to ask everything, but you never do have it. And so it's like, never. like you know, I, I do want to talk to you about your toughest role that you've ever done. I do want to talk to you about, uh, you know, the role that do, you, do, you do feel like the most yourself. And, and let's actually do that. Let's, let's talk about the role that you feel, the one where you said like you felt like only you could do. And, and how satisfying that felt, despite the success or failure of the actual product maybe as well. Well, also how scary when you yeah. get the script and you go, um, not only am I only the person that can do this, but at the moment, I'm the only person that knows it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I will never forget reading the West Wind first episode, pilot. Mm-hmm. And um, when I saw the, again, looking back on it, I, as, as I become like spiritual visions, whatever you want to call them, are so subtle and nuanced that they happen to us every day and we forget them, we dismiss them, we don't notice them, we think they're bullshit, whatever, they, whatever it is. Looking back on it, I knew when I, when I looked at the page and saw the name Sam Seaborn. I had, now, now knowing what I know, I know I had, it's that tingling, it's that feeling, it's that fantasy, whatever you want to call it, what it actually is, is a, is a vision, a voice, whatever you want to call it. I love that. And what, what should we do when we have that? That's beautiful because I think you're right. What you said was so good that like we, we just, and, and whatever anyone's, I want to know what you think are the ways we can hold on to it or what we do with that feeling because you're so right. Most of us just go, oh no, it's just, uh, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. And we just dampen that voice, whatever yeah. that voice is. What's a way that you found now where you're like, okay, no, I, I'm, I'm engaging with it. I'm connecting with it. I'm using it to my advantage. Well, this, that's, this is exactly where I am right now in yeah. my stage of trying to figure it all out yeah. is, is, oh, oh, that's what that, oh, great. That's, Thank you. That's what that is. Okay, good. All right, great. I mean, that's literally where I where I am, and and I think it's again, it's reps and it's it's muscle memory, and it would be like it would be like the, it's it's no different like the you know, like when you eat a spicy food for the first time and you realize ah, it's like you eat it the first time you go what is that and then you think about it oh I know how it happened and you start you you start getting 
knowing the signs and the signals and knowing when to hold on to it. So um, it's the recognizing because it's so subtle. It happens to us more than we know. And, you know, we're on our Instagrams, we're, we're driving the cars, we're changing lanes, we're talking to our kids, whatever we're, we're worried about paying the bills, whatever it is, it doesn't have the power to get through into our consciousness that those issues do. Mm. So I, I think, well, this is, this is the other, oh, the other thing is people always told me is about meditation. So getting, getting uh, sober, that's, it was always the number one thing, meditate in your daily meditation and your day. It's like, I'm not meditating, you mad. <laughs> And every time I tried to meditate, by the way, I fell asleep. And, and then it was like, well, I must not be doing it right. And my problem is I have a real fa- uh, a fear of not doing things right. And if I, if I don't think I can do them right, or if I, don't, or if I think it's going to take a long time to learn to do it right, I don't want to do it. Yeah. So meditation is really new in my life, mm-hmm. finally. And again, direct correlation. For quiet time, however you want to call it, meditation and being downloaded with what you want. Direct correlation. Turns out all the people were right. Who'd have thought? <laughs> all those hundreds of years of people telling me that meditation would be good. Who, who'd have thought that they were right? Yeah, I love that. I hope also people told you that when you, when you I always say this, if you meditate in the beginning and you fall asleep, it is your mind and body telling you you need rest. And, and it's literally like an alert and a signal. I say that because I, I te- I've been teaching meditation for so many years and that's a common thing that people experience. And I'm like, yeah, because imagine for the first time you've been still and you've allowed your body and mind to do what it wanted to do. Like mm-hmm. that's what I mean. When you're present with your body and your mind and your body and mind switches off, guess what? That's what it's been trying to do. But we keep pushing ourselves. It's kind of like that feeling of like when you've been running around for weeks and you've been on planes, you've been running around, you've been moving around and then you stop. And all of a sudden when you stop, you fall ill, right? Yes. Yes. Why? It's because your body and mind are finally catching up with how they want to feel because you finally stopped. Whereas if you just kept pushing on that tour or you just kept running around and jumping on that plane, your body doesn't get a chance to do what it needs to do to heal. And see, I think we, we are tempted to do that our whole lives. Yeah. To, 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 to get on the planes and, do the, and, and we do our whole lives and then we get towards the end and we go, oh, well, is there more? Where am I going? What is it going to be? What's death? All that stuff. And now it's too late. Mm. And so the, the quietness has, has become, and you know what COVID gave it to me? That's the, that's the gift. Wow. Because I also believe I'm a huge optimist and I believe that there's a reason for everything. And I think part of my secret sauce was my optimism. Mm. And I, I, I'm not a, I, I don't believe in victimhood. I just don't on any level for anybody. Um, and I just don't buy into it. And uh, that so COVID takes away work, makes you this, all those things it does. For me, it was I look at the gift of it and the gift was time to be silent time to have nothing to do, mm-hmm. forced into doing stuff that I never want to do, which is sit with myself. Mm. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And that, it's so fascinating because the part of your book that I picked out that I love actually speaks to this. So this is from your, a section of your memoir, The Stories I Only Tell My Friends. 
And, and this is what, what Rob says. Rob, Rob, do you mind if I read this out? Please. Oh, great. Yeah, so I, I won't be able to do it in your voice so as well as you, <laughs> but I will try. So it says, I'm so hammered that I can barely stand. The girl I love has just left me because I can't keep my word and I have no integrity. My grandfather is dying. My mother is in crisis, desperate for help and comfort. And I am cowering and hiding in shameful avoidance. I've arrived at the bottom. Since I was a boy, I've been running, running to make my mark, running to avoid reality, running to avoid pain. And now, a moment of clarity. I can run no longer. And uh, I, I love that. And I, I wanted to share it with everyone because it's, yeah. it's such yeah. a, yeah. it's, it's so um, beautifully told and everything that's beautifully told is hard to live kind of like it would have been really hard to actually experience. And then when you share yeah. it that way, I, I hope that it gives people that, that pause and that stillness today, hearing that. I don't know how much time you have, Robin. Yeah, no, I'm good. I, I, I I'm good. That, that, uh, that moment was, people always talk about what, what, was your, what was your bottom? In other words, what was the moment that you hit the bottom and mm. decided to stop drinking or whatever? And that was it. That, that's, that's the piece of the book that you just read. Yeah. Um, and my, my mom had called me, uh, to tell me my grandfather had had a heart attack and I was too out of it to pick up the phone. So I was listening to her talk on my answering machine. So I'm listening to her to talk and I'm not, standing right there and not picking up. And that's the, the, the moment that you just read. Um, and, you know, listen, I'm, I'm just lucky and blessed that I had a moment of clarity. I mean, thank God I had it. You know, that's great. A lot, you know, a, a lot of people maybe don't have it or maybe um, don't listen to it when they had it and you know uh but just you'd be hearing it it brings it it brings it all back but but even it, it coming off the heel it's probably why you brought it up at the point in the interview with which you did is it's there's something there's a similarity in stillness stopping running you know living with yourself you know you can't run from yourself that's the thing about meditation it's it's being in that being in your whole, being inside your body and present time. Yeah, and it's what you've said before. I've heard you say this, that with, with therapy, what you've appreciated about it is that you've got someone else who's helping you see patterns that you don't see yourself. And mm -hmm. when we're running and we're moving, like you're describing, like running for this, running for that, you, you can't see patterns. And, and I realized that in myself, I feel the same way during, during this lockdown. I have noticed so many patterns in my work, in my purpose, in my relationships, that need to change that I would not have noticed if I was, I was meant to have a book out during this time, which has got delayed. And so I would have been running around on a tour across the world doing that. And I would have completely missed, and this would have just been delayed and postponed again of really being aware of what needs to change in my work, my relationship. And, and it's, it's shocking to you sometimes. You're like, oh, I thought I was a, even me as a meditator, I thought I was a meditative person. I thought I was a mindful person. I thought I was a conscious person. And you realize just, there, you know, it's always an ever evolving journey. You're never there where you're like, oh yeah, now I've got the perfect routine and the perfect meditation and I'm going to yeah. stop every one of my blind spots. And it doesn't work like that, you know, like, no, I thought, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like uh, another thing I always try to remember is it's about progress, not perfection. Mm, mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's a hard one to hold by. But Rob, you've been so generous with your time today. I could go on and talk to you for hours, but I want to be cautious of your time. And I know that we said this time. So I just want to check in with you. 
Um, but that, uh, this is great. But you, I, I really do want to have you on the podcast now. And I've got so, and, and we'll just continue this talk. Yeah. Except yeah. I will have to figure out how to interview you. But I want you, this is what I love about it. And, and you've made it so clear. And I've got five more questions to ask you, which is our final five. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Quick rapid fire. But um, the, I love what you said that I will have more fun as an interviewee being asked questions that only you would ask me. Because, yes. because you probably, and I hope I've tried to do it justice today, but it's like, I'm, I'm always thinking about that. They're like, I just don't want to ask the same questions that someone gets asked everywhere because then they have to tell the same stories and share the same events and the same yes. stuff. And it's like, I mean, I, I get bored of doing that and I'm not, I haven't been doing this for four decades. So, you know, I can't imagine how bored you get. So. No, that's why it's, that's why this, this interview feels like it's taken three minutes. Yeah. I mean, it feels so short cause we just, it's so much fun to, to, to not talk about show business all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, and you do that so well, and there are plenty of places. But yeah, these are our final five. So these questions have to be answered in one word to one Oof. sentence maximum. So they're the following. Uh, do, I, I do have a sentence. It, can, it doesn't have to be one word. It can be a sentence. It correct? can be a sentence, which is one Can sentence. it be a run-on sentence? If I allow if, if, if I get really intrigued, if I, if, if I get really curious, so right. if you spark my curiosity in the first sentence, then yes, right. I, will, right. I will provide permission. Uh, this right. is my, my control free. Uh, but uh, these are the, the, Rob Lowe, these are your fast five. The first question is, uh, what's something you want to give your children that you didn't have growing up? Wow, that's a doozy. Oh boy. Um, oh, oh, for sure. Consistency. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to let you expand. I'm, I'm intrigued. Consistency of my support presence um, and backing up my promises and words to them. Yeah. Beautiful. Wonderful. Okay. Question number two. What do most people misunderstand about being an actor? Oh, they think it's about lying when it's actually about finding the truth. Mm, that's a great. That's a that's a great tip. I think it's so easy to just fall into that. That's that's beautiful. Well, they always say they, they always say like, well, how can you believe anything he says? He's such a great actor. Yeah. And I say in my book, only bad actors lie. That's yeah. bad acting. Mm. Good actors find the lie, which is the dialogue, and they pull out and deliver the truth. That's great. I love that. Question number three. Uh, what did you once chase in your life that you no longer pursue? Being cool. And now, now you're effortlessly cool. So it, it worked out <laughs> just great. Question number four. Uh, this, this one, I really like this question and it takes a bit of time, but I like asking it because it kind of really shows someone's values. But what do you know to be absolutely true that other people disagree on? So what are you so sure Ooh. about but that people would be like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. And, and it's, just, it's subjective. It doesn't have to be a fact mm -hmm. or a... You know, it doesn't have to be true. It's just what are you so sure about that other people in your life would disagree on and maybe not? I've recently become sure of what 
of what uh, that there's more for us after we die. Right. And it's a long winded, but I had a, I, I, you obviously are familiar with vivid dreaming and all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, uh, that's been happening to me as I've evolved. Mm-hmm. And um, I was taken to the, to that place. And it was amazing. I mean, it was like shown to me, like, I know, I know it as, a, as certain as I know I'm looking at a computer screen and you're on it, that that is what happened and that's what I was downloaded with or take whatever you want to say. I know it sounds like Ooga Booga, Shirley MacLaine, crazy, crazy talk, but dude, it happened. I saw it. I know what it is. I know what it is is exactly as if I were describing Paris, France to you. Wow. You know what it is? I, yeah. I know what, okay, so here's what I saw. Okay. It looked like, it looked like the, it looked like those beautiful landscapes in Avatar, like so lush and gorgeous Pandora, and beautiful. Yeah, Pandora, yeah. You just couldn't believe it. Mm. And I was me, but I wasn't me. I had no body. I had all my thoughts and feelings and ability to think. But it was like being, if you've ever been hypnotized, I don't know if you've ever been hypnotized, but yeah. if you're hypnotized, you, you feel exactly the same. But meanwhile, when you try to move your hand, you can't. Yes, yes, yes. You feel like you could get out of your chair at any minute. Yes. Because you're you. But in meanwhile, you can't. Yeah. So it felt like that. And, and it was so full of, I don't know if you've ever wept with joy, like heaved and wept with joy. Yeah. That's what it felt like the whole time. And so joyful that, that I was literally weeping. And then I, then I, then because I'm me and I can still think, I thought, oh, but where are my boys? Mm-hmm. And where are my wife? Mm-hmm. They're still there, mm-hmm. back there. And then the great realization is, no, they're actually already there, mm-hmm. because time is not linear. Yeah, definitely not. And that's what was the the mind blower for me. So the notion that we pass on and we'll be meted by Grandpa, who's already there. I say, like, no, no. You're already there. I know that sounds really crazy and heavy and insane, but I'm just telling you, I saw it. I know it. Other people think I'm crazy. The listeners of this podcast think, they're like, oh my God, I, I listened to the podcast. Rob was kind of interesting. Didn't know he was crazy. <laughs> up until, Didn't know he was crazy. Up until 104, I was like with him. And then... Yes. <laughs> up until and then one hour, the, four minutes, I was with him. Like I was... No, but no. I'm like the guy. I'm like the running back who's run through all the tacklers, and now I'm about to score the touchdown. Get out of this podcast for people going, "Wow, he was awesome!" And then I fumble it uh, on the one yard line with a story about Avatar. Well, you know what, Rob? I I think more people who are who are listening, and more people who are becoming uh, aware in their own way. It's, it's part of us also learning to realize how unique the journey of life is and how unique people's experiences are and to not assume something before we've been exposed to it. And, and I think that's a skill. Like, I, I don't think it's about people listening and going, oh, Rob, yeah, I get you. I'm with you. I've done that. It's actually us going, well, I've not experienced that, but maybe I'm not exposed to something and I haven't tried something, right? Like, that's the question. That's more valuable. That's way more valuable. Like, 
people may not be able to agree with you or, or have the same experience, but it's the same with parenting. It's like, you may tell me what parenting's like, but because I'm not a parent, I can just be like, ah, Rob, what do you know about parenting? You know, like, but it's like, I've never experienced parenting. So who am I to know that without having experienced it? And I think that's the same with spiritual reflection, realization, meditation, uh, connection, prayer, whatever it is, anything that is uh, intangible in a physical material sense, anything that is immaterial, it, it needs to be experienced to, to have, an, have a perception on it. And I think all yes. of us, I mean, that, I mean, I know this is sci-fi, but the best movie that explains it so well is Doctor Strange. And, and you look at Doctor Strange, I don't know if you've ever watched the movie. I, I need to watch, so it's on my list. Yeah, so like you look at, okay, I'm not gonna give it away, but what's the movie? And it, and it literally sums up what you're talking about. You will, you will actually love it from a, from, a, from a principal point of view of what you're sharing. You will love it. Wow. Um, so I, I'm not gonna give it away. I, I, oh, good, Doctor Strange. I'm writing, writing it down. And then it comes back to great in it too, so. Uh, oh, he's like, great. Yeah, okay, so. yeah. Fifth and final question of your final yes. five. We went on so many tangents, but I loved it. Uh, what was your big, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? 12 months. Ooh. Uh, that it's really important to be alone with my thoughts consistently. Amazing. Thank you so much. A big, big, big thank you to the one and only Rob Lowe. Please go and check out his new podcast, literally with Rob Lowe. It's on all podcast platforms and apps. It's uh, a great joy to listen to. He's obviously told us two guests that we didn't even know were coming out, Tiffany Addish and Gwyneth Paltrow. So lots to look forward to. Rob, I'm, I'm excited for this to be the beginning of a new friendship. Genuinely, I've... Uh, yes, I, me too. I, I couldn't believe it at 40 minutes when... You were like, when, when we started doing other podcasts, and I was like, what, it's been 40 minutes? Like, and we're not even in the same room. Like, you know, it's, it, it was really, really great. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on yours too. I look forward to it. And please yep. feel full confidence to just ask what only you would ask, uh, because oh. I think it's going to be so fun for me to I am I'm gonna good. Like on, my, on my toes, you know, on my feet. Like just, it's going to be great. So I'm excited. And uh, you can bring out the the funny in me. I was going to say my wife is like, brings out the curly in me. So when I'm around, yes. my, my wife is Gandhi and curly. She's both. Uh, and, and you know, I, I sometimes for long periods of my life, took my life very seriously, but my wife was really able to help me, uh, help me get out of that. So you got, yeah. you got to have all, all three pieces of the pie for sure. Um, you gave so many great insights and nuggets today, man, like beyond anything I could have imagined. So many great stories and analogies and, yeah, it's been such a joy spending this time with you. And thank you for being generous with your time as well. Thank you. This is great. I'm really looking forward. We're, we're going to keep our connection going because I, I, I love speaking with you. I'm a big fan and and uh, new, new friendship. I love it. Appreciate yeah. it.